Coming up, a discovery of the week, double feature, and a little rant about Linux laptops. Plus, should we be paying more attention to Razer when it comes to gaming on Linux? And then we'll close it out with another song from The Source. Episode 41 of Linux for Everyone starts right now. G'day, this is Caleb, and we're listening to Linux for Everyone in Adelaide. Welcome home. Hey everybody, welcome back to Linux for Everyone, and welcome home. You are listening to episode 41 of the show about desktop Linux, open source software, and the community creating it. To all of my friends and listeners on the west coast of America, I hope you guys are doing okay. Please stay safe out there. Before we get into the discovery of the week, uh, I wanted to kind of give a plug for a website that is fairly new that I have been contributing to and that I think has a ton of potential. It is called Front Page Linux. You can find it at frontpagelinux.com. It is a joint uh, production of the Destination Linux Network where we write about Linux news and there's tutorials and there's the awesome Linux magazine called Linux Plus Plus. And uh, there's so much content there, great content to consume already. And I think I'm going to be dedicating more and more effort to Front Page Linux. So I hope that you guys will uh, come along for the ride. FrontPageLinux.com, check it out. So this episode's Discovery of the Week is a bit of a double feature. Um, I have been kind of fascinated by the, the functionality of uh, automatic window tiling ever since trying out the beta of Pop OS 2004. But you know, when I went over to Fedora 32 on the, uh, the ThinkPad P53, I really, really missed it. And it was one of the features that kind of, I, I felt like it was binding me to Pop! OS, right? Now, I remember System76 saying something to the effect of uh, the Pop! Shell could not be easily published as a GNOME extension for whatever reason. As always, leave it to the amazing open source community, in this case, Carl W. George, to to respond to that demand, that, that desire to have Pop Shell working on Fedora, and so he ported it over. Now, the package doesn't uh, implement all of the same shortcuts as Pop OS, and that's probably because there's going to be some conflict with the way that Fedora operates. But in the description for this package, uh, Carl does emphasize that if you try it out and there's a shortcut missing from Pop OS that you think is essential, please tell him about it by clicking the contact button at the uh, right side of the page where this package lives. And of course, you guys know that I will have a link directly to that on the show notes for this episode, episode 41 at linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm or linux, the number four, everyone.com. There's even a quick enable code, so it's just DNF and then uh, a, a code string that you can type into your terminal, and that will activate it, and you may have to just log out and then log back into your session. And I tried it briefly, and um, there were it was a little rough around the edges, but in fairness, so is Pop Shell, still a little bit rough around the edges. But the functionality, especially 
if you're on a high-resolution monitor or an ultra-wide, especially if you're on an ultra-wide monitor, um, this is functionality that I personally can't live without anymore. And I just wanted to thank Carl for bringing this over to Fedora. That is that is really, really cool of him to do. So I know that not everyone is like me, but there are potentially some people out there like me who are using Pop! OS as their daily driver. And they may have been hearing a lot about Fedora lately, and they kind of want to see what's uh, what that's all about. But they don't want to live without that auto-tiling functionality. Well, Carl's got the solution for you. Uh, and now, the other side of this is if you don't want pop shell specifically there is a great gnome extension called gtile and of course this is not um, tied only to fedora like carl's port of the pop shell extension is this is a gnome extension and you can easily install it at extensions.gnome.org on any linux distribution that uses the gnome desktop i gave this a try it's not quite as intuitive as pop shell but it definitely, definitely has its advantages. Uh, you can, so it kind of gives you grids on your screen, and you can auto-select from a, a couple different um, kind of pre-configured layouts, like, you know, a two-by-two-by-two by two by two grid, or you can have one long um, window on the left side and then two smaller kind of rectangular windows or you can, you know, work with an 8x6 grid, a 6x4 grid, or a 4x4 grid, and you can just kind of draw where you want the windows. And then if you hit Super and Enter, you can resize and reposition the active window. It's, like I said, it's not as automatic as Pop Shell, but it does work really, really well, and it's going to work natively on any GNOME desktop. So, Gtile is the name of that one, and again, you can find it at extensions.gnome.org. Super easy to set up and use. Links to both of these cool extensions are available on the show notes for this episode. And that is your discovery of the week. If you have suggestions for uh, an app or a piece of software that you think needs to be highlighted, it needs to be given more exposure, more people need to hear about it. I'm probably one of those people. So <laughs> let me know. Send an email to linuxforeveryone at pm.me. The PM stands for Proton Mail. So it's linuxforeveryone at pm.me. I have a, a running list of community suggestions going in standard notes, and I will add yours to it. This episode of Linux for Everyone is sponsored in part by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple... You know, you guys all listen to the Destination Linux Network shows. You have heard all of this before. Maybe you don't care about any of that. You want to set up a shiny new Minecraft server. Guess what? There's a new quick install droplet for that at DigitalOcean. In fact, uh, we recently used DigitalOcean to set up a Xenotic server. A Xenotic, if you haven't heard of it, is a really fast, really fun arena-style shooter. So kind of like old-school Quake, but it looks good, and it's open source. So if you want to join our community, organize a game, and just look for Destination Linux Network. That's going to be one word. Destination Linux Network in the server browser of Xenotic. You guys can get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by visiting do.co slash dln. 
That URL one more time is do.co slash DLN. And I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode and our entire network. Happy fragging. So you guys know that I love getting your letters, even if I don't respond to all of them, um, I do read them all. And on occasion, they spark a, an entire segment of Linux for everyone, or a hardware purchase, or uh, me reaching out to you know the, the PR and marketing people from a company like Razor. I think I'm going to read this letter first, and then we'll get into this topic a little bit deeper. Here's the letter. Hello, Jason. Today I write you because I found something amazing. I confess I'm a hardware addict myself. I love finding good hardware that works well on Linux. I've been using mechanical keyboards and gaming mice for a while, and I've tried other brands like Corsair. A few days ago, I was doing some research to check for 2020 updates on Linux-supported accessories, and I found something called Open Razor. This is a community effort to bring support for Razer products to Linux. For some reason, I always wrongly assumed that Razer would be the last of the brands to be supported on Linux. But I was wrong. Oh, I was very wrong indeed. Open Razer and Polychromy are amazing projects. All popular distributions are supported. Projects seem to be very active with many people filing bugs and feature requests. There's a clear and updated roadmap, documentation, troubleshooting info. The list of supported hardware has everything you might need, including very old and very new products. I was so happy to see that. This was awesome. I wanted to test and see if it was true, so I ordered a Razer Huntsman Optomechanical Keyboard and a Razer Naga Trinity Mouse. As I received the products, I installed them right away on my Ubuntu budgie system. Installation was easy, and everything just worked out of the box. Con the control interface looked very polished. What a pleasant surprise. The keyboard supports all the features already, even per-application lighting profiles. And selecting applications to map to profiles is as easy as clicking in a list of your installed software. Mouse support was also great. All 12 of the extra keys worked right out of the box, and all the RGB colors can be switched. However, some other features are missing, and it's stated in the project's Git page that profiles for mice and mouse pads, and in case you guys are wondering, that's because they have RGB mouse pad, uh, RGB, mar oh my gosh, that's because they have RGB mouse pads now. Those will be coming in a future release. Okay, back to the letter. To tell the truth, I am a bit surprised I never heard of this. Why aren't Linux gamers and YouTubers screaming about this? Everything works better than what I experienced with other brands, and prices are very much in line with brands in the same segment. I've been reading about many people that got their Razer keyboards easily repaired in their region and carried on using them for many years. I'm really excited, and right now I'm a very happy hardware addict. Totally worth it, and I will support Open Razor as much as I can. Please let me know if there's anything else you want me to test or share with the community, and keep up the great work. Cheers, Moro. Moro, I think that's the second uh, letter that I've read from you on this show, except the difference this time 
is we're elite dangerous buddies. <laughs> we've been we've been hunting dirty pirates in asteroid belts and things like that. Uh, I had a blast playing Elite Dangerous with him. Anyway, his experience with Open Razor and these Razor products, it was also really eye-opening for me. And his letter uh, very much mirrors my reaction. Now, when he showed me these these screenshots of the Razor software, the uh, the, the kind of spawned from the Open Razor project, it's gorgeous. It's slick. It's intuitive. It's one of the best gaming-related pieces of software that I have ever seen on Linux. And I don't know why it took two-plus years for me to hear about Open Razor. As someone who's a gamer, I've used Razor products. I, I reviewed the very first Razor Blade at Forbes like seven years ago or something. I have done one-on-one interviews with their CEO. I mean, I used to cover Razor a lot. And they were kind of like the the Apple of Windows gaming. That's kind of how I viewed them. Super expensive, very elite, but quality stuff, innovative stuff. But I did some checking on prices. And yeah, their, their prices have leveled out quite a bit. They've gotten much, much more competitive, you know, to compete with brands like Rocket and Corsair. And that's probably because as they became more popular, they could better leverage economy of scale, right? They could produce more product and do it for cheaper. With the uh, the level of bling and features and uh, quality that, that Razer typically brings to the table, I am really thrilled to hear that so many of their products are supported on Linux. And I mean a ton of products. If you go to openrazor.github.io, you'll see information about the product. You'll see supported keyboards and keypads, Black Widow 2019, Black Widow Chroma, Black Widow Essential, Black Widow Lite, the Blade 2019 Advance, Blade 2019 Studio Edition, Blade Pro 2019, Blade Pro Late 2016, Blade Stealth, Blade Stealth Late 2017, uh, Deathstalker Chroma, Huntsman Elite, Huntsman Tournament Edition, Nostromo, Orb Weaver, all of these like super fancy MMO mice with RGBs and and just a ton of modularity and extra buttons, all supported on Linux. And I didn't even get to the mice or the mouse pads. <laughs> Other devices that work, shall we run that list? Uh, the Core, the Eraser's eGPU, the Kraken 7.1 headset, the Base Station Chroma, the Chroma HDK, the Chroma mug holder. Yes, the Chroma mug holder. <laughs> and we're talking about, um, you know, full functionality, right? Being able to set these custom custom commands per profile, being able to set lighting per game and things like that. It makes me want to go out and buy Razer stuff now. This all prompted me to start really wondering, how is so much of this product supported? Is it perhaps because Razer has been open enough with the community, right? Has Razer provided documentation? Have they opened up some of their hardware specs or, you know, proprietary whatever to allow the community to bring this wealth of support to Linux. And so I, I, I reached out to uh, 47, which is their North American PR agency, and I'm, I'm going to start that dialogue. I'm going to see if maybe I can get some product in. Maybe I can talk to some people at the company and uh, start making a little more noise 
about Linux gaming, because that's really where Razer shines. At any rate, I think this is worthy of more conversation, more exploration, and more visibility. Typically, when I haven't heard about something, it means that maybe a lot of people in the Linux community haven't heard about it. So if you're a Linux gamer uh, and you have experience with Razer products, I'd love to hear about that experience. Let me know. Send an email to linuxforeveryone at pm.me or talk about it in our Telegram and Discord groups. Moro, thank you for uh, opening yet another rabbit hole for me to jump jump into and get lost in. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm discovering my inner hardware addict again lately when it comes to, uh, you know what? I like Bling. I like RGBs. I like Razer stuff. I just like him. I had kind of written it off as an option because I thought, oh, Linux, Razer? That's no. Of course, that's not going to work. My dad always used to tell me that when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. (laughs) Let's move on. This episode is also brought to you by Bitwarden. Password theft is a serious problem, and it requires a trusted solution. But how are we supposed to remember and keep up with that many passwords? I must have at least 50, and I'm frequently forgetting half of them. That's where Password Manager comes in, and the password manager trusted by the Destination Linux network is Bitwarden. Bitwarden is open source and regularly gets third-party security auditing to look for vulnerabilities. And the latest audit found exactly zero risks. You can get started on Bitwarden for free, or if you really like what they're doing, you can unlock a suite of additional tools for only $10 per year. Yeah, that's per year, not per month. That $10 will get you stuff like uh, one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo integration, Vault Health reports, and priority customer support in addition to all the free account perks too. So head over to bitwarden.com slash DLN to open up a free account. And thank you, Bitwarden, for sponsoring Linux for everyone and the entire Destination Linux network. There are problems with Linux adoption. No, no, no. Let's call them areas of opportunity. I think it can be fairly argued that one way to increase Linux adoption is to have Linux offered not just by, you know, Dell with their developer edition with Project Sputnik or Lenovo with their Fedora and Ubuntu and Red Hat Enterprise Linux initiatives, but being able to walk into a Walmart or a Best Buy, or a, a brick-and-mortar store and pick up a cheap laptop for everyday web browsing, everyday use that has Linux on it, right? That is one area of opportunity. It, as someone covering the Linux space day in and day out, making podcasts, making videos about it, and kind of keeping my ear to the ground with all the, the news and the discussion as much as possible anyway, this is what I've noticed, We talk about laptops like the Dell XPS 13 Developer Edition. Starting price, $949 US dollars. We talk about stuff like uh, System76 laptops. Their lowest, the Darter Pro, starts at $949. All right, what about a little, a lesser known dedicated Linux company like Star Labs? 
not to be confused with, you know, the Flash. Star Labs upcoming laptop Mark IV starting price 918 US dollars. What about the very first Fedora-powered Lenovo X1 Carbon Gen 8, which looks amazing. Starting price, $1,249. On the complete other end of the spectrum, we have excellent initiatives by Pine64 with the Pinebook Pro, a $199 laptop that runs Linux. And it's a quality laptop. It's not a piece of garbage. I mean, it's a good it's a good machine, but it's limited by its ARM CPU in that it doesn't have access to all the software that people might need. We absolutely need somebody to come along at the 400 to 600 US dollar price range and offer an x86 based Intel or AMD powered Linux powered laptop with a magnesium alloy chassis and a roomy amount of storage and, you know, features that don't make it stand out as, as, oh my gosh, this is some cheap laptop. This isn't going to last. This isn't going to fit my needs. You know, your daily driver, your everyday web browsing, uh, light game playing laptop. Where is that? Does it exist? Because if it exists, no one's talking about it. And if it doesn't exist, it is a serious opportunity for the System 76s of the worlds, for the Star Labs of the worlds, even for the Dells and Lenovo's of the worlds. Imagine, imagine if Dell came out with a mid-range laptop running Ubuntu 20.04. Not targeted at the high end, not targeted at developers, creative professionals, you know, they just came along and said, boom, $499, four-core CPU, 128-gig to maybe 250-gig SSD, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 1080p display. I just feel like I, I want the marketing to start talking more to the average user. I want the products to talk more to the average user. The Pinebook Pro almost does this perfectly, but it's, it's targeted at enthusiasts and tinkerers and makers. As great as it is, it's not something easy to use, right? It's got its quirks. It's, it's a work in progress, like many of Pine64's products are. Again, you know, sometimes I start a conversation. It doesn't mean that I have an answer. It's just, it's starting the conversation. It's trying to get uh, that ripple effect, start a little wave and, and see how far that wave travels and see how many people it might reach and see if maybe it reaches the right people. Uh, you never know what, what could be accomplished just by starting that conversation. In our Linux for Everyone Telegram group, there is someone named Barking Bandicoot. And Barking Bandicoot sent me about four or five suggestions for songs from the source because Barking Bandicoot knew it's kind of tricky to find music that is not only created with open source or Linux, but is also good. Uh, they're hard to come by. So anyway, Barking Bandicoot, thank you so much for suggesting this song, a brand new song from The Source. It was released uh, a couple months ago, actually. It's pretty new. The label is Band Shed Records. The band is Rated Blue, and the album is called Joy. And I'm going to play you the title track from that album called Joy. But first, I wanted to tell you a bit about their uh, recording and production process. 
This is from their blog post with uh, announcing the, the album's release. We are fortunate to have produced this album DIY with our own independent studio and label. We also have enjoyed the freedom of using our own studio operating system and a great combination of open source and commercial Linux-based audio software. Now, the DAW they used is Ardour, and the operating system they used was AV Linux, which is an alternative to something like Ubuntu Studio, both of which are, are really worth checking out. If you search for Rated Blue Joy on places like Spotify, Google Music, you will probably find it. Uh, it's an album that comprises seven different tracks, which were written um, as long as 20 years ago and as recently as, I think, six months ago. So it's a very interesting collection. I've, I've kind of skimmed the album, but this is the track that really, really stood out for me. So I leave you with this, a brand new song from The Source. The drums and the bass line in particular are so infectious on this song. I've really, really loved it. If you guys have more of these for me, you know how to get in touch. This is Rated Blue with the song Joy. And until we speak again, make sure you check out our library or YouTube channels, follow us on Twitter, and definitely take care and take care of each other.